Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. We're four weeks into the new year, and we are four weeks into taking a look at this verse and our theme, which is running with patience. And we've discussed all sorts of different aspects about it and uh, running with other runners, looking unto Jesus and, and the details of this verse. But in a way, we haven't really, at least in the messages on Sunday mornings, pinpointed exactly what are we talking about when we say we are running with patience. We are supposed to run with patience in the race that is set before us, but what exactly are we running in? Sometimes we can kind of use vague generalities in the Christian life, and uh, just anything that sounds spiritual just kind of encompasses uh, what it means to be a Christian or to run the race, but in this verse, there's something very specific that Paul is referring to when he says, run with patience. And again, it's related to this clue word at the beginning of the verse, which is wherefore. Wherefore means because of all of these things that we see, we should run with patience. So here in verse number 12, uh, chapter 12, verse number one, he says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, let us run. Okay. So he's referring to chapter number 11. Now, what is chapter 11 all about? Chapter 11 is about faith. Go back to chapter number 11, verse number one. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The whole chapter is about faith. What is faith? Why do we need faith? Who had faith? Follow in their examples and what was their mindset and what was their mentality. The whole chapter is about faith. So as we are considering this theme for the year of running with patience, what we mean by that is continue trusting God. That's what that means. Running with patience, the race that is set before us, because we see all of these witnesses that are testifying that God is trustworthy and we can and should trust in God, let us also continue to trust in God. Every day, every week, every month, and every year, year after year, let us continue to run with patience, trusting in the Lord. Now, for this message this morning, I do want to ask a question and maybe you'll want to consider the question in your mind. The question is, what are your expectations of faith? Because if we have the wrong expectations, we will be tempted to quit. If we don't know what does God mean by faith, and what does God mean by running with patience, the race of faith, then we will be tempted to quit because we have a uh, expectation that maybe does not align with what the Bible says. So I want to leave with you three expectations 
that we need to have if we are going to run with patience. The first expectation is the timing of faith. The timing of faith. So this past Christmas, just uh, a month ago, uh, for us, you know, we have our family and, uh, you know, all of uh, my side and, you know, my wife's side family that we're, uh, you know, buying Christmas presents for just like everybody else. And uh, I think this year uh, we ordered everything online. Now, we have some family members that, you know, weren't coming in. We weren't going to see them over the Christmas uh, season. And so, you know, we sent, we sent them something and, uh, you know, we, we mailed it over there or just directly shipped it over to them, you know. And I'm sure that many of you might do the same. If you have a, a family member, a friend or somebody, you know, you just ship it over to them. Uh, but many of the, uh, my family were actually going to be in town uh, for Christmas or at least around the Christmas time. And uh, so, you know, we're ordering all sorts of different things, you know, and these, you know, these Amazon packages are coming all the time, you know, and uh, we're going to make sure we get them in and, and things like that and uh, make sure that there are no porch thieves, you know, coming through and taking the package. And so, you know, we got all these boxes coming in, opening them up and stuff like that. And uh, I got to make sure that I look inside before I just start pulling it out because, you know, we bought presents for our kids and I want to make sure that, you know, it's kind of a surprise, you know, so we're, you know, we're doing all of that. And uh, for my mom, uh, I bought a, a custom phone case. Uh, so, you know, she has like an iPhone something. And uh, so we ordered this custom case uh, with a picture of all of her grandkids on it. And uh, so we got this case and, you know, you're shopping online trying to figure out this and that and the other. And uh, so, you know, you got to customize it. You got to get the pictures and put it on there and make it look just right and all of that kind of stuff, you know. And so I was doing all of that and, uh, you know, I got it and I was like, OK, I think that looks good, you know, and I was ready to order. And then, you know, when you order, it gives you like the shipping estimates, you know, do you want it by this date? Do you want it by this date? Do you want it by this date? If you want it tomorrow, you got to pay this much. If you pay it by, you know, if we want it by next week, you pay this much or whatever, you know, there's the different tiers of shipping. And so, you know, I was ordering it a little bit close to Christmas. So I wanted the fastest shipping possible. And I paid, you know, the, the, the shipping cost was like half of the cost of the phone. Or the case, you know, and uh, but I needed it because it's for Christmas, so I, I gotta have it in. And so I ordered this thing, and uh, you know, I'm kind of just you know, I'm checking, I'm checking the website, I'm checking the thing, but I don't know if you've had this experience, but sometimes when you check, like it says it hasn't shipped yet, but it's actually been shipped already. And then sometimes you get the package before they, you know, the whole updated system, you know, and so it says it hasn't been shipped, but I was like, well, you know, I mean, I paid extra for this and they said it was going to come, you know, my, my family's coming in for Christmas and they're going to leave a few days afterwards. And so I was like, okay, it's, you know, it's going to, it's going to be here. No problem. And, uh, but you know, no update on the website and obviously they're not delivering on Christmas day. So on Sunday, which was Christmas Eve, well, you know, when I got home, I was like, you know what? There's no phone here. It's not going to make it here on time. But I was like, you know, my mom will be here for a couple of days more, you know, it'll come by then, you know. And so, um, so there's a couple extra days. I'm checking it. Still no updates. Still no phone. My mom leaves to go back home. And I check. 
Now there's an update. Okay. Not only did the phone not arrive on time, they did not yet have the phone ready until after they said it would be here. You ever, you ever have that? You know, you order something on Amazon and it says uh, two day delivery. You know, it's going to be here in two days and it gives you a date. It's going to be here. And, uh, you know, I understand Amazon's got a lot of packages to send and most of the time they're not urgent. So sometimes they'll say, oh, it's a little delayed. It'll be a day or two later, you know? And so it happens. But in this case, I really, really needed this package delivered on time. It's for my mom, it's for Christmas, and they did not deliver when they said that they would deliver. Now, I have the phone now, but my mom's not here. <laughs> so next time I see my mom, I'm going to have to give it to her. And I was a little annoyed. I was annoyed because this is Christmas. It's for my mom. It's a Christmas present. I paid extra. You said it would be delivered by this day. So I, I was a little annoyed. So in January, I sent them a message and very nicely, I'll let you know I was very nice about this, <laughs> but I said, Hey, in a very nice manner, you messed up. <laughs> you goofed. You know, why am I paying extra if you're not going to deliver when you said you were going to deliver? And uh, credit to them, they credited me back all of the shipping. But honestly, still, I was still a little annoyed. You know, that was the right thing to do, but still, I was, I was a little annoyed because I was expecting this package to be delivered when they said it would be delivered. When we're talking about faith, we're talking about verses like Hebrews chapter 11, verse number six. That was our theme last year as a church. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a what? Rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The lesson of the Bible and the instruction is God is a rewarder and if you will trust him, diligently seeking him, he will reward. The Bible makes that very clear. The question is, when? When are the rewards coming? Are they coming today? Are we getting same day delivery? Are we getting two-day delivery? Are we getting, you know, the bulk rate shipping? It might come next week, might come next month. When has God promised the rewards to come? Because if we have a wrong expectation about the rewards of God, we will be tempted to quit. You know, if you enter into this race of trusting in the Lord, you know what God says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm going to follow God and God's going to reward. But if you're expecting to run in the race and do something for the Lord and God to immediately deliver something for you, you might be a little disappointed because you have to remember when has God promised the reward? Now, a lot of times in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, let's take a look at these examples where a number of individuals heard the word of God, put their trust in God, but were not rewarded for a long time. 
If you're there in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 7, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Noah was told by God, God's grace was upon Noah, a flood is coming, I'm going to destroy the world, prepare an ark. In the, at the end of chapter number five, the Bible says that he was 500 years old. It's hard for us to fathom that, but in, the, in those days, they lived a long time, much longer than us. The Bible says in, in these days that God says, I'm going to shorten man's life down to 120 years. And so here we have Noah. He was 500. And at the end of his building, when the floods began to come, the Bible says that Noah was 600 years old. A hundred years. God said a flood is coming. And then Noah didn't see a drop of water for 100 years. Imagine that. A hundred years, no evidence that floods are coming, and yet Noah continued to trust God. Now, I really believe one of the reasons why Noah, there, there were a hundred years for Noah was because, do you know how big the ark was? And it was him and his three sons. Four of them have to build this enormous ark on top of already providing for their family. So I'm sure progress was quite slow, and it took them a very long time. But the point is this. God's promise was true, but God didn't tell him when the flood was coming. It took 100 years, and Noah just had to continue to trust year after year after year. Let's consider Abraham and Sarah. They're also there in Hebrews chapter number 11. They were promised a great nation would come through you. At the time, they had no kids. When Abraham and Sarah, they left Haran and they went to the promised land, Abraham was 65. That means Sarah was 55. They had no kids. So he's 65, she's 55. They've kind of thought, you know what? I'm Maybe we're probably not having kids. But then God said, you're going to have a kid. Now, how old was Sarah when she had the kid? She was 90. She was told at 55, you're going to have a kid. She's already thinking, I think it's a little too late to have kids. I'm 55. My husband is 65. But God said it. And the Bible says in verse number 11, through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. That's 35 years. 35 years is a long time to wait. 35 years is how long it took. And if we're going to run this race of patience, we need to manage our expectations. You know, I have two little girls, and uh, a lot of times they'll ask me to do things with them. 
you know, they want me to play a game with them. They want me to do something with them. They want me to, you know, take them to the park or whatnot. And uh, so sometimes, you know, they'll say, hey, can you play with us? They don't say, hey, can you play with us? You know, they say, dad, can you play with us? And I'll say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll play with you, but not right now. Not right now. Uh, maybe it's uh, early in the morning or I'm in the middle of something, but I'll play with you, but not right now. So go play for a little while and I'll come get you. Uh, they'll go and play for a little while. Sometimes it's a very, very little while. And then they come back. And, and they'll say things like, when are you going to play with us? Sometimes they'll say, you said you would play with us. In their minds, they're thinking, dad said he would play with us. We're ready to play. Dad, come on. But sometimes I have to remind them, okay, I told you I would play with you, but I didn't say when. I didn't say I would play with you in 10 minutes. I didn't say I would play with you in 30 minutes. I didn't say I would play with you in an hour. I said I'd play with you today, though. Now, you could understand this frustration that would come from my kids if they're expecting the moment I'm bored, I'm going to go to dad and dad will be ready to play with me. They're going to be a little frustrated, you know, wondering, hey, how come dad's not coming to play with me? Dad said he would play with me. How come he's not here? We're ready to play. And often that is the case because in the eyes of God, we are all just little kids. We're just little kids, and sometimes we think, God, you said, I'm ready. I'm ready for the rewards. Come on. And God says, but I didn't tell you when. I didn't tell you that as soon as you did this that you would get rewarded. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. But we have to manage that expectation. And sometimes people leave the faith because they think that God is not holding his promise when in their minds they have a promise that God never made. Oh, if I serve God this year, then God's really going to bless me financially. Well, did God really say that? Did God promise that God will fix all of your problems this year if you just simply, you know, went to church every single service? We have to manage some of these expectations because, you know, there was a, a man who was faithful in serving Paul. His name was Demas. You read him about in, uh, read his name in some of the letters that Paul wrote. But the last letter that Paul wrote, 2 Timothy, at the very end, he says, For Demas hath forsaken me. He left. He left the faith. He left the ministry. Why? Having loved this what? Present world. Now, Paul doesn't say anything beyond that, but I suspect that Demas got tired of waiting. I want something now not thinking about the future now god has promised a reward mark chapter 9 verse 41 for whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to christ verily i say unto you he shall not lose his reward so as we consider the word of god and the promise of god let's ask this god said that rewards are coming and if we will run the race of patience we must trust that the rewards are coming. But let's ask this very simple question. When has God promised the reward to come? Revelation chapter 20.
22, verse number 12. And behold, this is Jesus speaking, I come quickly, and what? My reward is with who? Me. Jesus says the reward is with me to give every man according as his works shall be. You know what Jesus says? I'm coming again, and when I come, my rewards are coming. There's going to be a time for rewards. And we need to remember the timing of when God has promised the rewards. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. At the end of time, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work be, shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 7. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He says, I, I, I ran the race and I finished the race. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me when? At that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. He, Paul was living his life thinking, I'm serving God now, but I'm expecting the rewards when Jesus comes again. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 12. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's take this example literally of running a race. You enter into a race, and uh, as I mentioned, I kind of looked around at different, you know, races and things like that. And they, they'll often say there's a medal for every participant. You know, you can get a medal or something, you know, uh, uh, for, for running in this race. When do you receive the medal? Do they give it to you at the beginning of the race? All right, you made it here to the beginning line. Here, here's your medals. Do you get it in the middle of the race as you're running the race? Somebody comes alongside of you and runs, here's your medal. When do you get your medal? At the end of the race. That's when you get the rewards. And we will struggle in patience if we are expecting rewards sooner than when God has promised them. Now, we know that God has promised rewards here and then. Mark chapter 10, verse number 29. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or fathers, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold when? Now, in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come eternal life. It, it, the lesson here is, if we will run, we've got to manage our expectations. If we're expecting, I went to church today, and now all of my problems are going to disappear, you're going to be disappointed. And you're going to be thinking, hey, God promised. And uh, where, where is the promise? Well, we've got to make sure that our expectations are proper. In fact, in, the, in, in Hebrews chapter number 11, you see that in uh, verse number 13, he's talking about Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob. In verse number 13, he says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, 
but having seen them afar off. They were promised the land, but you know who inherited the land? It wasn't Abraham. Abraham was given the promise and he didn't inherit the land. Isaac, he didn't inherit the land. Jacob, he didn't inherit the land. Joseph, he didn't inherit the land. None of them inherited the land, but they knew the promise was true. The land would be theirs. And they lived in faith, and eventually we see that God's promises are true, but we didn't see Abraham experience that promise fulfilled in his lifetime. So we need to manage our expectations about when we're expecting God to reward. Secondly, we see the treasures of faith. The Bible says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and faith is trusting that God is a rewarder. But how much does God reward? What kind of rewards does God give? You know, when you apply for a, a job at a company, you know, they'll have like a listing, these are the qualifications that you need, you need to have this degree, you need to have this work experience, you need to have these skills, or whatever the case might be, you apply for a job, maybe you go in for an interview, maybe you go in for a second interview, and then if they want to hire you, they give you an offer, right? They give you an offer and says, if you will work for us doing these things, we will compensate you, reward you, pay you, this much, these benefits, whatever. For God, he says, if you trust me, I will reward you. And it's a, it's a promise from God. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. He says, don't quit, keep going, the reward is coming. What should we do? As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Hey, continue to serve each other. Continue to love each other. And you will reap. There is a promise of God will reward. Now, what are the rewards of God? I mean, if you take a look at chapter number 11, what was God's reward for these great men and women of faith? I mean, let's again go back to Noah. What was Noah's reward for his faith? First of all, he was saved from destruction. Praise the Lord from that. There's a great illustration of salvation there. But also, he didn't just save himself. He saved his family. He saved his sons. Saved his wife. Saved his three daughters-in-law. There were eight of them that were on the ship, not just himself. Of course, we know that we can't get saved for other people, but just in a physical, literal sense, all eight of them were saved from destruction. What would a father do to save his wife or save his kids? They would do anything. They would do anything for them. Oh, there's nothing more precious. There's nothing more valuable to them. Their, their family, their wife, their kids, and, and those relationships. And what a wonderful reward for Noah. Not just that he escaped destruction, but he was able to make a difference in the life of his family. You know, the Bible has so many instances and examples and, and uh, words of admonition about how 
as we live this life of faith, we make a difference in the lives of those that we love the most. The lives of our spouses, the lives of our kids, the lives of our family members. What a great reward. We also see that Sarah, she had a child when she thought, you know, maybe before the promise that it was too late. When everybody else thought it was too late. But God rewarded her with this child. Moses. Moses was born there as a, you know, in, in, as a ch- a, uh, one of the children of Israel, but raised up in the house of Pharaoh. Best education, had all the opportunities of the world, all the power, all the prestige, all the respect. And he said, you know what? I'm going to trust God and I'm going to go with the children of Israel. I'm going to go with my people. And you know what God enabled him to do? He enabled him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. He made a big, big difference in the lives of all of those people. And sometimes just having that purpose, that mission, and making a difference is reward enough. Joshua, as he's leading the children of Israel into the promised land, they cross over the Jordan River, and they're faced with the city of Jericho. I'm sure probably all of us know the story of Jericho. What happened there? They walk around the wall one time each day for six days. On the seventh day, they walk around seven times. And what happened? God brought the walls down for them. God did something for them that is impossible, but they were able to conquer the city and God rewarded them with victory. And life has so many rewards. And we could look through the Bible for all of the rewards that we might get if we follow the Lord. We might see the rewards that others have gotten in the Old Testament or the New Testament or things like that, even here in this chapter. But I think regarding rewards, I think 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9 is probably the best verse. It says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You know, that verse tells me that God wants to give you more than even you could imagine. If you could imagine, this is the best thing that could ever happen, the greatest reward I could ever receive, God says, I've got something even better for you. Not only that, the best is yet to come. We've not seen heaven yet. We've not seen the mansions yet. We've not seen the gates of pearl. We've not seen the walls of jasper. We've not yet seen the streets of gold. We've not yet seen the face of our Savior Jesus Christ. We've not yet seen all of that. The best is yet to come. That's the encouragement that is given to all that are running the race. The best is yet to come. Don't stop. Thirdly, this third expectation of faith is the triumph of faith. If you're running in a race, if you're a competitor, an athlete, you're running to win. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24, Paul alludes to this mentality. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? Did you know there's only one gold medal for the winning person? They don't give everybody gold medals, it's just one. The fastest guy, he's the one that gets the gold medal. One receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. That ought to be our mentality. But I want to propose to you an expectation that sometimes many Christians have that causes them to fall short in their race. And let me propose this, that faith is not the means to victory. Faith is the victory. Faith is not the first step of many. Faith is the only step. Consider your salvation. How many steps are there in salvation? There's one. Trust in Jesus Christ with all your heart for all your sins, calling upon him to save you, and he will save. There's one step. You trust, and that's it. The Christian life is no different. Every step is the same step. It's the step of faith. You know, the illustration that God gives is running. Have you noticed that? He didn't choose basketball. He didn't choose football. He didn't choose, because those sports have lots of different things that you need to do. But you know, in running, there's really only one thing that you do. You put one step in front of another, and then you do it again, and then you do it again, and then you do it again. It's the same step. The step of running with patience is the step of faith. I'm trusting God with this day. I'm trusting God with this decision. I'm trusting God with his word. Every moment, every minute, every day, I'm just going to go to the word, see what he says. I'm going to trust it. And that is the victory. Because God desires that you simply put your trust in him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible. Nothing you do pleases him if there's not faith in it. You have to have faith. That's what God wants from you. God doesn't need your money. God's not looking for your accomplishments. God doesn't care about your charisma. God doesn't care about the prestige and respect that you have of, of your coworkers or or uh, your friends, or family, or that doesn't impress God. In fact, Jesus, when he was here on earth, there was one time when he marveled, only once. We marvel at God all the time. You look up at, at creation, you see the stars in the sky, you see the design of earth. Wow, what a marvelous God. You see the works of God, you see the promises of God, you see all of the things that God has done. Wow, that's marvelous. But one time, God himself marveled at somebody. You know when it was? It was when somebody trusted God as he said. He said, here was the centurion, and he said, oh, I have somebody that needs to be healed. And Jesus was going, and the centurion said, hey, you don't need to come, because I know how this works. I, I'm a man of authority, and I know if I tell somebody to go, he goes. And if I tell him to come, he comes. And I know that if you say, if you simply say that my child will be healed, it will be done. You don't even need to come. 
And Jesus marveled. I have not found so great faith, yea, not in Israel. So, wow, that is marvelous. You know what caused Jesus to marvel? Faith. You know, I heard this story about Phil Knight. Phil Knight, is, uh, he started Nike. He founded Nike. Um, he used to be a runner at the University of Oregon. And uh, he was a runner there and uh, had a, a good relationship with his uh, coach and, and uh, started Nike. After he graduated, he, he was traveling. And, and uh, I forget all of the details of it, but basically he went to Japan looking for these shoes and uh, got a bunch of these shoes and shipped them over to the States uh, in order to sell them. And so that's how Nike got started. Nike wasn't even called Nike at the beginning. It was called Blue Ribbon Sports. He started as Blue Ribbon Sports and eventually became Nike. We know about, you know, the swoosh and we know about the brand and we know about, you know, all of the different things uh, about Nike. And uh, I, I heard this story about uh, Phil Knight and uh, apparently he was at a, a conference and uh, and he began to ask, you know, the, the audience uh, questions, all right? If, you, if you've exercised before, stand up. And of course, you know, pretty much everybody stands up. And uh, he says, uh, all right, next question. If, uh, if you run or exercise once a week, uh, remain standing uh, uh, at least once a week, uh, remain standing, everybody else sit down. And so, of course, a lot of people sit down. Then he says, if you run twice a week, Remain at least twice a week, remain standing, everybody else sit down. So there's more people that are sitting down. And he says, if you run three times a week, uh, remain standing, everybody else sit down. And of course, most of the people are not standing. There's people standing and things like that. And apparently, uh, he, he described uh, the situation as this. The next time that you're out there in the dark, nobody else is around, and you're running by yourself, he says, we're the ones standing under the lamppost cheering you on. And the point he was getting at was that Nike was not about the winning, it was about the doing. It was not about the gold medals and the championships, it's about those that get out and run. See, the world celebrates the ones who win, the ones who win the Super Bowl, the ones who win the championships, the ones who uh, build the biggest companies, the ones who rise to the highest positions, but God does not really need our accomplishments. He does not need us in any way. The one thing that he desires from us is that we would simply trust him. Running the race is not about winning the victory for Christ. It is about pleasing God. That's what running the race of faith is. God does not expect us to do the winning. He will do the winning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 57, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I propose to you that we are not winning the victory for Christ we are to trust that Christ will give the victory to us. That's the race that we are called to run. We are called to simply trust him. And it is those that trust that will win. 